Amen. Well, like Michael said, just to remind you, next Sunday, if you're watching at home and you feel like you've never been able to get back in the room, we're going to be going uh, live both of our 9 and 11 services, opening a bunch more seats available for us to gather in person, which is always great. If you have been hesitant just watching online, there's a space available for you to come back. We invite you to come back and worship with us live in the room. It is great to be together with our brothers and sisters, isn't it? Amen. It's awesome. All right. Well, we are finishing up our series that we have called Refresh. And, you know, when we're in the middle of summer and it's hot, I guess we're peeking into the fall here. We're sensing it a little bit. But when we are in the middle of summertime and it's really hot and, it, and we're, you know, we're outside walking the dog or doing chores that your spouse gives you and you come back in and what do we need? We need a refreshment. And so we get some water, some cold water that will help us. And when we think about our physical bodies, we know that is true. But then also for us spiritually, we need to be refreshed. And we, we, need, we know that we've come through a hard season or we're coming through a hard season and, and we need to be refreshed by God's spirit. But then also, uh, there might be something upcoming that, that might be difficult because that's how life is. Life isn't always easy. Uh, like, like I said uh, last week, I think one of my Bible school instructors, you know, life is you're either in a fight or you need to be getting ready for a fight. And that doesn't mean that God is bringing evil our way. It just means that is how the world is. Jesus said we would have difficulty in this world. But God is never our problem. He is always our solution. He is always helping us through, refreshing us by his spirit. Um, in the book of Acts, chapter 3, we've been reading this every week. Peter, after the man at the beautiful gate got healed, he got up and he was preaching and he said this, Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed, who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He's going to send the Messiah. But I love this thing that Peter said, times of refreshing. And this, this word refreshing and, you know, renewal, restoration, uh, revival, that God will refresh us by his spirit. And as we've been singing about the, you know, this new song that we've been singing, Fresh Wind, that God, that the scripture tells us God is pouring out his spirit upon us or wants to pour out his spirit upon us. And this, it's not that the spirit of God goes away somewhere else, but then we need to be more and more aware of and avail ourselves of the Spirit of God, because in the Spirit of God, it's himself. It's all of his goodness. It's all of his love. It's all of his grace. It's all of his mercy. It's all of his healing power. All of who we need is found in God. So as we've been talking about, and we talked about week one, you know, just spending time, intentional time in God's presence, setting time aside, you know, to read God's word, setting time aside to pray or to sing worship. Because in those times, God will refresh us, renew us by his spirit. And this is what Peter's saying, that we need these times. We don't want to go without these times of refreshing. Because we need it to live. We need the spirit of God to help us to live. Refresh, again, means to restore strength, to recover your breath, to cool off. 
And we see these ideas, these metaphors of the scripture that God comes by his spirit and it's like a wind, it refreshes us, or it's a drink that refreshes us. This is how God comes to us. Because we're never going to be in perfect surroundings in the world that we live in, and so we always want to live in the state of being refreshed by the presence and the spirit of God. So we talked about the presence of God last week. We talked about surrendering to the will of God. And Jesus prayed this prayer, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And doing the will of God will refresh us, not just going rogue and doing our own thing and making up life as it comes, but desiring the will of God, that the will of God for our lives is better than something that we could create, something that we could just dream up on our own. What is the will of God for me to do and accomplish? What are his directives for my life? What are the ways that he wants me to live? Not just what I want, but like Jesus prayed, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Because to the world, it just could be the heaviness of it all. If we're constantly just trying to do our own thing and do our own ways, this can be a very heavy way to live. We've got to express all of our political opinions, and we've got to change everybody's mind about everything. And this can be just a very heavy way to live as opposed to surrendering to the will of God. So what we're going to be talking about today as we finish up this series is this idea, this notion, this principle in the scripture called Sabbath. Or Sabbath, this word just means rest. Now, has everybody had some sort of vacation time this summer? You've gone away, you've spent some time uh, not working. Hopefully you should have. Um, if not, maybe you're getting some time off this fall. But this, this idea, this notion is a very important thing. And, and this principle that we live out actually within the context of our culture comes from the scripture. We actually have a day, we have Labor Day tomorrow. And Labor Day is called a holy, holy day, holy day. We well, have a holiday tomorrow, but it's a holy day. It actually comes from Christian principles. It comes from the scripture that we have a day off tomorrow. That's a great discussion for you to have about the principles that we live in Canada, but then forgotten the source of all these things. We thought we just dreamed up holidays. Now they actually come from the word of God. And this, this principle, this idea of Sabbath and the phrase, you know what? People take a sabbatical. This is sabbatical. It's a, it's a version of Sabbath. They're taking an extended time off. We're going to disconnect from the normal course of affairs, the normal thing that I'm doing. And then on a holiday, a holy day, what we should be doing is, oh, remembering about God's provision, remembering about who God is, remembering that we didn't actually create the world. We didn't create ourselves. We didn't gift ourselves. God actually did all of this to us. He's given us all that we have, and he's put breath on the inside of us, and he's the one that causes our heart to beat. And so when we have these times set aside, we are resting, and resting replenishes our lives. So we're going to talk about three different things today, and then I have a bonus point for you at the end, but we're going to talk about three things. First thing, we're going to talk about physical rest, then we're going to talk about the rest of faith, and then resting in the lordship of Jesus. So the first one, physical rest. We know how important this is. And again, Sabbath, the principle of Sabbath comes from the Ten Commandments. The first three commandments are all about putting God first. And then number four, God says, make sure you Sabbath. 
Make sure that you rest, which is such a very interesting placement of that in the context of the Ten Commandments and the directives that God gives for us to live a successful life, a flourishing life, a life in God. We're going to put God first. We're not going to have any graven images. We're not going to have any gods before him. We're not going to take his name in vain. He's actually God. And then, you know what? Make sure you Sabbath. Make sure you rest. That's what Sabbath means. Sabbath means rest. And God gives us this wonderful gift of Sabbath. Now, this is something that we do. We know that physical rest is very important. The average person, you know, we sleep somewhere between six and eight hours a day. So if you live to be 100, you will have slept approximately 30 years. That's why it's important to have a good mattress. <laughs> But when we put it in that context, that's a lot of time, right? And and it's amazing all of the the, the health benefits, the physical health benefits that come from rest. You know, you you might be a doctor here in the room today, but if you're not, you know somebody and they're worn down, they're having a struggle with their body, what's one of the first things you say to them? Are you sleeping enough? We don't actually know all of the benefits necessarily of sleep. Now, we could Google it and find all these things. But we know that getting into REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep, that our body replenishes itself. And then we are able physically and mentally to function better when we sleep, when we rest. You know, we, we've seen sometimes uh, with, with children and toddlers and parents, you know this, when when you're in that season of naps and how important naps are. And then when your baby or your toddler skips a nap, it's dangerous. There could be a lot of things happening when you miss that sleep. Now, you might be 30, 40, 50, and the same is true for you. You can just hide it a little bit better. You're not necessarily falling on the floor of the mall and giving us a tantrum, but we can tell when you miss your sleep. We know you didn't get a good night's sleep because of how you're acting and it's, and it's affecting us and we didn't get a, a proper replenishment of our body because we didn't sleep enough. We know that our, our muscles, if you're, if you're working out and you're developing your muscles with weights, you can't do that constantly. What do you need? You also need rest time, that recovery time. So this principle is in so many things that we do. And so that, in, the, in other words, we need to do rest. And that's not an oxymoron. That's not two opposite things. We actually have to be intentional about resting. And within the Jewish culture, you can look and study it. And from this principle of Sabbath, they had developed a very uh, a specific way of, of honoring the Sabbath and and making sure that the Sabbath rest and it starts about Friday night and it goes all the way down through, through Saturday night. And then they had very strict laws about the Sabbath so that they made sure that they wouldn't work. And we need to be intentional about rest because, again, rest is a gift to us. It refreshes us. Physical rest is so important. And it's, it's a rhythm that we see in creation itself. You know, there's sunrise and sunset. 
and we know again at, at nighttime it's like everything is resetting itself and you know like your grandma told you nothing good happens after midnight <laughs> and so it's just better to be asleep after midnight why because there's another day coming up and you need to be prepared for the next day and instead, you know, this, I'm not angry about any of this, but again, there's a bunch of people up after midnight with not the proper amount of sleep, just doing crazy stuff. Anyway, that's something for you to discuss. So every day in the rhythm of our days is built in sleep. And the scripture encourages us every, every week that we Sabbath, in other words, that we're, we're, there's a day that we're disconnecting from work. If you read in Exodus 20 about the, the command of Sabbath, that we're going to disconnect from work. And a little bit what we're remembering is that God is our provider, not me. Now, we all need to work. We all need to be working inside of the home or outside of the home doing something. We shouldn't be lazy. But when we disconnect from work, what we are reminding ourselves of is that God is my provider. I don't have to work 24-7 all of the time. And when I disconnect and I Sabbath, what I'm saying and what I'm reminding myself of is that God is my provider. And this is talking about physical needs. God is our provider. And when we Sabbath, when we take a break from working... We should be reminding ourselves from that. So it's not healthy. And we know this. It's not healthy to work seven days a week. Physically, it's not healthy. But then also spiritually, it's not healthy. Because we're just thinking, I am the source of all things. But when we Sabbath, when we take a break. Now, Sabbath doesn't have to be Saturday. All right? The, the principle of Sabbath is the gift to us. It's not some sort of legalistic thing that we have to go through in our lives. But this idea that God is giving us and commanding us to Sabbath, to rest. And again, so we have that daily thing of sleep. We have the weekly thing. We should be taking a day off. We should be resting, remembering that God is our source. And then we have these other times, and we see these things within Jewish culture. They would have feasts and festivals Sometimes days and then sometimes week-long festivals to remind themselves about how good God is and enjoy the blessings that God gives. That's what vacation is. You're like, I'm working all of this time, and so I'm going to take this time off, and all of the the resources that I made during this time, I'm going to be taking some time off. And then we should be reminding ourselves in a healthy way that God is our provider. So the principle again is that I'm I'm ceasing from my own work. And I'm realizing that God gives me what I need. He refreshes me. Second thing we're going to talk about today is this idea of resting in faith. Now, is a, we're going to read a portion of scripture here in Hebrews chapter 4. And it's referring to a very specific group in the, in the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers, uh, chapter 13 and 14, about that first generation, the children of Israel, that left Egyptian bondage. And God was leading them to the promised land, leading them to Canaan. And 
you know, they, they were there in the desert, and, and Moses sent out some spies into the promised land, you know, go and give us a report. So they came back, and they said, oh, it's a land that flows with milk and honey, and look at all these grapes that we have, and it's an amazing place. But then they got to this part, but there's giants there. In other words, it's difficult to go into the promised land. And there was another, Joshua and Caleb were like, no, we can take the promised land. And there were 10 other guys who were like, no, we can't take it. So the children of Israel had a a chance to decide between these two things. Were they going to obey God and go into the promised land? Or were they going to stay in the desert? And what this is called, it's called the rebellion. In other words, that the children of Israel chose the wrong thing. They didn't choose to put their faith in God. They looked at the circumstances and they thought this was really hard, really difficult. Now, for us in the New Testament, we have a spiritual Canaan land. Our salvation in Christ is our promised land. It's not a physical place on the earth. It's us having a relationship with God and resting in our faith in God. And so this is the subject being discussed here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 4 says this. Actually, we'll start in verse 1. It says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of us seem seem to have failed to reach it. So there's a promise to enter into rest. This is not talking about physical rest. This is talking about where am I putting my trust? Am I putting my trust in my ability to assess circumstances and things and, and what I can do and what I can accomplish? Or am I resting in faith in God that he will provide and that he will provide a way of escape and he will provide what is needed for my life? There's a promise to enter into his rest. And we should be afraid that we don't enter into it. We should actually want to enter into the rest that God has for us. Verse 2, for good news came to us just as, just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. In other words, they heard something. They heard about the promised land. They heard that God told them to go into the promised land, but they didn't join their faith to it. They didn't believe it, in other words. See, we have, again, we have a spiritual Canaan. We have a place of a relationship with God, forgiveness of sins, all of God's provision, physical, spiritual, for our lives. And that is the place of rest for us. And so what do we need to do? We need to put our faith in, our trust in God. We don't want to miss out on this beautiful rest of putting our faith in God. Verse 3, for we who have believed enter that rest, putting our faith in God. What are we doing? We're resting in God. For the totality of our lives, for the totality of our eternity, our faith is in God. Our trust is in God. Let's continue. It says this, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. In other words, God has done something for us, provided something for us, from before the world began. Jesus, the Lamb slain, before the foundations of the world, God has provided something for us to walk in. 
How do we walk in what God has for us? We put our faith in God. And that's the place of rest. For he has spoken, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Verse 5. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and for those who formerly received the good news failed to enter it because of disobedience. So we, want, we don't want to be disobedient to the command of God. And what is the command of God? To put our faith in him so that we can live a life of rest. Not just going through life on our own. Leaving ourselves to our own devices and what we can imagine. And just helping ourselves. But God has rest for us to walk in. Verse 7, again, he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterward, and his words already quoted today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. In other words, God will be speaking to us, and what do we not want to do? Harden our hearts to it. In other words, don't receive it. In other words, say no. We can do this. You know, I, I grew up, in church listening to my dad preach. And, and I know how it is when you're sitting into, you know, a room and a preacher is speaking. You know, you like something that he's saying. And you're like, yes, amen. And then he says something or she says something that hits a little bit too close to home. And you're like, no, no. And what are we doing in them? We're hardening our heart. And what are we saying? I know better. I don't need that thing. I'll take this part of God's goodness and his love and his forgiveness. But the other part about me being obedient, the other part about me yielding my life to God, that's the part I'm going to harden my heart to. But when we harden our hearts to these things, man, we're never going to enter into the rest of God. And God wants us to live in the rest of faith. Obedient to what he's saying, not hardening, hardening our hearts. Verse 8, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would have spoken of another day later on. Verse 9, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Whoever has entered into God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature, and that means us, is hidden from his sight, but we are all naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. See, the word of God, properly understood, gets right into the middle of our heart. This gets right down. It's, it's a sword. It, it divides our intentions, our thoughts, and our minds. And it's calling for us to be obedient. Because in that place of obedience is the place of rest. See, in man is exactly the same way we were thousands of years ago. You know, we look sometimes and we read these stories and think, man, I would have never done that. 
I would have never said to God, I'll be my own boss, I'll do my own thing, and then this is exactly what we do today, over and over again. We harden our hearts. But when we dive into the Word of God, it's going to divide spirit and soul, the intentions of our hearts, our motivation. Where is our motivation coming from? This is how powerful the Word of God is. And when we obey, we find rest. When we disobey, the scripture says here, now we're just going to die in the wilderness. It's the desert place. And that's the metaphor for life without God. Just on my own, and this place is really dry. This is really difficult. And what can I imagine? And what could I dream up? And what is culture telling me now? But I don't want to harden my heart to the Word of God because the Word of God gives us life, gives us the promised land, gives us spiritual Canaan, yielded to who God is, the Creator God. The giver of all gifts, the giver of all good gifts, the one who knows what you were created for. I don't want to harden my heart to that. Because when we yield to all of who he is and what he's saying to us by his word, who comes in and examines our intentions and our motivations, and we could find life hearing his word and yielding to his word. So we need to mix with faith what God says to us. Rest doesn't mean do nothing. It means involving God in everything. That's true rest. We need to rest in obedience, yielding to the will of God. So we need to on purpose take inventory. Are we striving to enter into that rest to find out all of the ways that I can be obedient to God, or am I trying to find out all the ways that I can avoid my relationship with God? See, people ask questions sometimes. They're like, well, what are the things that I can do? How close can I get to a certain spot and it's not actually considered sin? And I would say that you're asking the wrong question. That would be like asking your wife, guys, how much flirting can I do with another woman before it's a problem? The problem is in the question. And this is what we're in. We're in a relationship with God. I'm not trying to look to do my own thing. I want to yield to God. I because he loves me. And he gave himself for me. So I put my trust in him. So that I can rest. And finally, Resting in the Lordship of Jesus. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said very famously, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Jesus said, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We need rest for our bodies. 
but we also need rest for our souls. For my yoke, Jesus said, is easy and my burden is light. Two different ways we can talk about this idea yoke. What does a yoke mean? This is not talking about eggs. Uh, a yoke is, is a big wooden thing that would be attached to two different animals who were plowing a field. And the idea is that they would go in the same direction. When you yoke them together, these two animals, they can't separate. So what we're supposed to be doing, we're supposed to be yoking ourselves, attaching ourselves to Jesus. Why? Because his burden is easy and it's light. Attaching myself, yielding myself to Jesus and his teachings and what he says. That's the other meaning of yoke. Yoke would be how a rabbi would teach his interpretation of the scripture. And Jesus says his interpretation of the scripture. That following Jesus is easy and it's light. But when we try to diverge from God, do our own thing, harden our hearts, what does the culture say? I'll do that. They're going to be in a constant state of exhaustion. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So that's where true Sabbath is. True Sabbath is found in Jesus. See, we, we can make it a legalistic thing and a scared thing, and this is what happened within uh, the Jewish culture. They took that fourth commandment, and then they just made so many rules and laws. You can't do this. You can't walk that far. You can't help your animals. You can't do all these different things. So they wouldn't break the Sabbath. And so Sabbath for them had become this really hard and difficult thing. And after, and, and we know this from, from Jesus when he was ministering. What would he do on the Sabbath that you weren't supposed to do on the Sabbath? He would heal people. He would minister to people and they're like, you're breaking the Sabbath rules. Mark chapter 2, verse 27. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, Sabbath in all of its forms, physical rest, faith in God, yoking ourselves to Jesus, and it's a gift from God. It's not a legalism wrapped around my neck like an albatross. It's a gift. That I'm ceasing from my own works and my putting my trust in God to be my provider. That God has a spiritual canaan for me to walk in, to actually be in a relationship with him. And I don't want to be disobedient. I don't want to harden my heart to the word of God, the one that loves me the most. And then Jesus said, come to me. See, Sabbath is not some idea disconnected from relationships. See, the essence of Sabbath is the most important thing, not the legalism. And the essence of Sabbath is that we come to God. We set that time aside. And we're remembering. Oh yeah, God is my provider. Tomorrow, on Labor Day, sometime tomorrow when you're barbecuing or having fun with your family, and you should do that, that's a part of what Sabbath is. You should take some time and say, thank you, God. Thank you that I'm alive. Thank you for 
what you've given to me. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for my family. And in that place, that's the place of refreshing. Jesus said, come to me. Coming to him. And we'll find rest for our souls. So take, take the burden off of trying to get everybody to think like you. Take, take the burden off of trying to get everybody to vote like you in um, 17, what is it, 15 days from now. Just take the burden off and come to Jesus. And there at that place, we'll find rest for our souls. And when we rest, we're ready to go. When we have a good sleep at night, we're ready to go for the next day. When we rest and put our faith in God, we're ready to go live our lives as they should be lived. And when we come to Jesus and realize that our whole lives are actually about a relationship with our Creator. This place is here for a reason, that we can have a relationship with Him. And He can put His kingdom on the inside of us. And then we can bring His kingdom wherever we go. And this is our bonus point today, number four. The last one is be a refreshing to somebody else. This will actually lead us into our next series. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25 says this, whoever brings a blessing will be enriched. And one who waters will himself be watered. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, I'm just going to read verse 18. It says, for they were refreshed. They refreshed my spirit as well as yours. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 13 says this. Therefore, we are comforted, and besides our own comfort, we rejoice still the more at the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. Philemon 1, 7. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother. Because the heart of the saints have been refreshed through you. So again, here's the point of being refreshed. That's so you can leave a church service and just say, oh, that was good and the worship was good. The point of being refreshed by the Spirit of God that you can go and refresh somebody else. See, you are carriers of the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God, the ways of God. And not only can we, we be filled up and we be refreshed, but the intentions of that from God for us is that we can be a blessing to others. Let's just pray today. God, we thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for this amazing gift of Sabbath. And God, we, we know that the idea of Sabbath is true, that you've placed it in existence so we would understand it. So not only physical rest, Lord, we commit to, but we commit to the rest of faith that we are trusting in you for our now, for our day-to-day, for our eternity. And Jesus, we come to you today to refresh our souls. We yoke ourselves to you. 
We attach ourselves to you today. The one who sacrificed himself for us, the one who gave himself for us. The one, even when we were yet sinners, even when we were pushing you away, God, Scripture says you died for us. You sacrificed yourself for the ungodly. God, we thank you for your undying love today, your persistent love, your never-ending love. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you are here this morning and you have never said yes to a relationship with God, you've never said yes to Jesus, just like Jesus said there, and we just read it, Jesus said, come to me. If you're weary, this world has got you weary. Everybody's opinions have got you weary. The state of the world has got you weary. See, God is always calling us to himself. So if you have never said yes to Jesus, making him the Lord of your life today, if you're watching online and you've never done that, I'm going to pray a prayer here in a second. I invite you to pray along with me. Again, this is just a starting point in our relationship with God. Jesus has called us to be disciples, and disciple is a learner. In other, words, in other words, we're learning the ways of the kingdom of God, but that has to start sometime. So this prayer is just a starting point of a relationship with God. This is a starting point of becoming a follower of Jesus, and that's what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus. I'm not following myself anymore, I'm not following the culture, but I'm following Jesus. So if that's you today, you never said yes to a relationship with God. Pray this prayer along with me. So let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's pray this out loud together in church. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he came and lived a sinless life. And he died on a cross. And you raised him from the dead. So I can know you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my Father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's congratulate those that did that for the very first time. Hey, if that is you today and you are here in the room, one of our team members is there in the lobby at the info desk. They actually have some materials they would love to put into your hand that will help you on your journey of faith. Again, this is just a starting point. You're, you're, you, you're starting a lifelong journey of following Jesus, understanding about the kingdom of God and who Jesus is. So those materials are there at the info desk in the lobby. If you are watching online, there's a place for you to select request prayer, and one of our online team will connect with you and get those same materials into your hand wherever you are. Well, thank you again so much for coming to church today on this long Labor Day weekend, and you get a holy day tomorrow to rest before school starts. Parents, are you excited again about school? Yeah! yeah. <laughs> Remember, next Sunday we're going to have a live services both at 9 and 11, so if you're watching online you haven't been able to get in the room, member registration opens up Wednesday at 10 a.m. I hate talking about registration at church. 
it's a weird thing. One day we'll just be able to swing our doors wide open. Until that day, we'll be doing this. So thank you again, and have an amazing week. You are dismissed. <laughs>